It's Jess. Hey guys, it's Jordan. And welcome to Date Night at the Movies. Or How I Spent My Babysitter Money. I think we're just kind of painted in the corner of having to start and end every episode <laughs> this way. Because it's funny. Well, like, you know, if we were twins, we I guess we'd be saying it at the same time, but we're husband and wife, so we have to do the, you know, uh, she's a gal, I'm a feller type of thing. <laughs> uh, the dog of the episode, it appears, is going to be Charlie. He's going to get bored really soon, though. <laughs> yeah. Charlie just does his own thing. Hey, buddy. Are you ready to talk about the movie? Um, to This week, we went and saw Mission Impossible Fallout. I thought you were going to say it. No, I, was, I thought you were on a roll, and so that stopped myself. Then <laughs> it got weird. So we saw Mission Impossible Fallout, uh, and we give this... What, we, how, what um, if... We were Rotten Tomatoes, and uh, instead of tomatoes, it was fists. Okay. Like Henry Cavill, perfectly triangular-shaped upper torso type and then of fists? Go, and he goes, punch, punch, fists. Uh, I would give this uh, the amount of fists that it would take to make Henry Cavill happy so he wouldn't use his fists on me. So a million fists. A million fists. Yeah. A million fists. <laughs> no, I thought, like realistically. I thought, re- realistically, uh, okay, out of five fists, yeah. or I guess we'll do six because, you know, very, very rarely people will have just one sure, fist. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, I'd probably give this four and a half to five fists. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is a weird. <laughs> Charlie agrees. Charlie agrees. Um, so I had this, I had this thought. So I'm watching Mission Impossible, which we've you know been watching Mission Impossible. When was the first Mission Impossible? Oh, we have to let the dog of the episode outside. <laughs> Making life, making life dog choices. This may or may not be edited out. Okay, so you were asking when the first Mission Impossible movie came out? Yeah. That was 1996. 96. So, so I had, Tom uh, Cruise has been doing these movies consistently for 22 years. That's insane. That's insane. That's almost like our entire lifetime. And he looks almost exactly the same, too. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking, I was like, gosh, so James Bond has been around for... 50 plus years. Uh, 1962. So we're talking 56 years. Yeah. So 50 plus years we've been dealing with Mission Imp- uh, with L- James Bond. And I just thought, is Mission, Impo- Mission Impossible the poor man's James Bond? Or is it... I wouldn't say it's the poor man's James Bond. What it's kind of turned... The American in- James Bond? Not even that. What it's kind of turned into is... I guess maybe just the modern day James Bond, like, you know, every, and of course. With a less, little less Sean Connery, the men well, are talking. Right, yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe James Bond with less sexism, you know. And of course, the first movie was a Brian De Palma movie, so, you know, there's a little bit of problematic All women stuff in there. I remember with the first Mission Impossible, it's been a minute since I've seen the first one. Mm-hmm. I just remember thinking, God, this is long. Well, the thing with Mission Impossible, and I was thinking about this earlier, you know, because it came out, I was like nine, and I didn't see it immediately just because, you know, I wasn't allowed to watch very many PG-13 movies uh, when I was that young, you know? This is only Um, PG-13? Yeah. Oh. Um, But uh, yeah, they've all been PG-13. 
But uh, and uh, James Bond's traditionally R-rated. No, they're PG and PG thirteen. No, uh, there yeah. is way too many boobies. Right, but it was a different time. The men are talking. Ooh, you know what? That's what it is. What? Tom Cruise's Ethan compared to James. James is like this sex monster, mm-hmm. and he's like the whereas Ethan is fallibly sensitive well totally now here's the thing and i was actually reading about this because you know i'm a huge james bond fan i accept the fact that they are as problematic as they are um but i still love those movies you know even uh, even thunderball also can we just comment on my j on my james bond (laughs) accent that i decided i mean i was gonna let you just kind of forget it (laughs) no it just sunk in i was gonna do you a kindness (laughs) It just sunk in what I did. <laughs> Anywho. So the reason James Bond is the way that he is, is first of all, because Ian Fleming was kind of uh, not going to go full garbage person, but like he was one of those guys who was like, well, he was James Bond in real life. Like, that's what people say, you know. Oh, bless him. Right. But because the James Bond novels were written in the 50s, I believe. Uh, post World War Two, you know. So it's very, it's very Mad Men. Well, kind. Well, here's where I'm going with that. Okay. Uh, is that it's post World War Two. It's not even as much like you know, like oh, well, let men be men. It's the fact that these people have just all lived through their their homes being bombed at the ground by the Germans, right? And you know, having to go through rations, having to go through things like that. So, like in the original James Bond novels, obviously he's you know he's a sex fiend just like he is in the movies. But in the novels, it's always more about like food and drink as well. Like there are right. long descriptions of that because for the longest time, you just couldn't get that in England. You right. Know? So I guess in a way, James Bond is a lifestyle and Ethan Hunt is... He's just getting the job done. Yeah, I it's mean, all about the job. Right. I mean, if you think about that first movie, and I know you... You know, you're not remembering as much about it. I mean, he goes, dun, dun, dun. I'm taking my hand, you guys, and I'm moving it slower to the ground. And then it's going to, dun, 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 and then it stops. Well, I mean, to be fair, she's also just singing the Mission Impossible theme, which does happen in every movie. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up. So, but in the first Mission Impossible movie, uh, you know, they they started it off doing it very much like the TV show. Did you ever watch the TV show? No. I actually, this is the first moment of my life I'm hearing that there was a TV show. Really? It's in all the credits. It was in tonight's opening credits based on the TV show created by. I'm sorry. I I blacked out. I must have. All right. So I can't remember who all was on there. I know Martin Landau was on the TV show. This was back in the 60s. Okay. Uh, and I know Peter Graves was as well. Uh, Peter Graves played the John Voight character in the TV show. Oh, okay. Uh, so, but it was literally like th- nobody fired a gun on that show. The one that I remember distinctly is that they had to, I can't remember if it was at Fort Knox or not, but they had to basically replace all this gold from a locked room because there was like an army colonel or somebody like that who was trying to steal it. So the whole mission was them distracting this guy while they drilled into the room from the sewers and they heated up the room so much that the gold melted through the hole and then they stuck something up there that flung paint around like repaint the floor and then they plugged it back up. That's so cool. Right. So the first movie was a lot more like that but what happens in like the first 20 minutes or however long it is is that the entire team gets killed. Right. So uh, spoiler alert for a 22 year old movie uh, John Voight did it. Uh, right. Yeah. So no, the that this stuff I remember. I didn't realize it was a TV show, mm-hmm. and that's 
That's really cool. And it was always about like teamwork and stuff. Like, you know, the movie, obviously, if you were to go see the Mission Impossible movie uh, back in the early 90s, uh, you would think, oh, I'm going to see a Tom Cruise movie because he's the one on the posters. You know, he's the biggest star in that movie. Right. But for really, the movie starts off like it's going to be a full-on team effort. And then the team just gets completely wiped out. Right. So his whole motivation is like, well, like, you know, and they have like a really good camaraderie and everything in there. So he's trying to figure out not only who set him up because they think it was him who did it because he was the only survivor. Right. Uh, but he's also trying Which, to... flash forward. Yeah. But, you know, it's also about like, well, who killed my friends, you know? So right. that's where that's where this whole series starts off with. So it's not about I'm going to go get my jollies off while I'm, you know, saving queen and country. It starts off with, OK, I've been disavowed and I have to prove my innocence and I have to avenge my friends and I have to bring the right people to justice. And it keeps on going from there. Right. And speaking of Tom Cruise, our drink of the week. Yes, so uh, we were trying to decide on the drink of the week, and we couldn't de- we couldn't determine what a good alcoholic beverage from the Mission Impossible. Well, even are. any beverage, because we were talking about like, okay, Mission Impossible, we think dangerous, we mm-hmm. think difficult, we think hard and hard going. Uh, and I came up with whiskey, and she came up with tequila for that, and we're like, well, we're not going to agree on this. <laughs> but also, uh, I don't know; these are such. They're, they're such clean movies. Like, I don't leave this movie, like, needing a cigarette afterwards. Right. So we decided on. So in honor of Tom Cruise being in his mid-50s and still being able to run as fast as that is, we're just drinking water. We're drinking water, just like a normal Tuesday. Also because I look at Tom Cruise in his mid-50s, I'm just like, huh, I don't look as good as he is. Maybe I should drink more water. Water's a good thing. Yeah. Water's good. You'll notice how she didn't disagree with me there. It's <laughs> not fair. We've also been married for eight years, you guys. Right. Okay, so I guess because, you know, we kind of talked about this a little earlier, that we don't have as much to say about this movie just because we liked it, right? You didn't say how many fists you would give it. Oh, well, I'd give it a good, I would give it a four- Four to four and a half. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh, I might even get like, I, it's kind of like, what was that last Die Hard movie that was a piece of garbage? Uh, a Good Day to Die Hard. Yeah, so that piece of garbage movie would have gotten zero fists right. because it was just like, really? This this was everything I expected from a Mission Impossible. I really liked, like, I love Bing Rames. I love Simon Pegg. I love Francesca. Um, oh, gosh, her name just left me. The girl. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Rebecca Ferguson. Rebecca, where did I get Francesca? I have no idea. Making things. I'm tired, you guys. Yeah. Yeah. We're also both leaving the state for jobs tomorrow. So we're just kind of trying to fit this in as fast as humanly possible. Well, and for what it's worth, you guys, we actually do love bringing you Date Night of the Movies. But also, this was just, this was an afternoon. We went to a matinee. Um, knowing that we, these movies are really fun to see on the big screen. Having mm. seen these at home. And you um, remember seeing the fourth one in IMAX? Oh, it was awesome. So we went and saw the fourth one in IMAX, mostly because we wanted to see the first 10 minutes of The Dark Knight Rises. Yes. And this is, that's the one he went Abu Dhabi, right? Right. And like him climbing. Oh man, I got the best kind of vertigo from that movie. Yeah, and it, so in a way, like, I think we're not fired up about this movie in a way. Uh. And Madison agrees. Uh, we now have two dogs. We have both dogs for the podcast. Matt. Um, is that it It delivered. Like, yeah. we've got really fun things, and we've got, like, we've got 
I'm always amazed by Mission Impossible and uh, James Bond movies is like these, this props department. I wish I knew the props guys for these because oh, holy crap, like they're building that and they're making it practical. And like when this movie opens up and even the little book, he opens Homer's mm-hmm. The Odyssey, which let's talk a little bit about. Uh, we've brought this up before about um, the hero's journey, um, but he opens up Homer and he technically kind of goes back home in this one with his wife. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll get to that part later. So yeah. keep it surface level. Yes. But, um, but even building that like little mini movie mm-hmm. thing that projects well, out of the book and self destructs. Like, yeah, well, I know there's a lot of movie magic in there, but Holy crap, someone built that. And these movies are just so full of wonder and awesomeness. And, um, Fight wise, for me personally, the fights are always too long, mm-hmm. but that's just me as a fight choreographer and how I think about fight story. Um, by no means says that any of it was bad. Oh my god, this this movie is gonna rack up Taurus Awards, yeah. I, I mean, I think for, that, for that, serious, I haven't. I mean, of course, how often do you really see a bathroom fight? But I haven't seen a bathroom fight that good since True Lies. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, it was. It was original. It was neat. They used the space. I was uh, choreographing with another stunt woman this week, and it was her project, and I was a minute to help. And she was bringing up the space, and she brought up um, Atomic Blonde, and she brought up the bathroom fight. And I thought, those are, yeah, awesome. That's awesome. And then we had seen a lot of that fight in the, in the previous, obviously, we saw, I hadn't seen it yet. And I just, and I, what I told her, I was like, you, you have to choreograph to your space. Mm-hmm. And what's brilliant about that fight is they really thought about that space and how to use it. When they sent the guy through the mirror and like his back landed on the It was great. Yeah. And that mean like and when stunt teams previs, they build like you you kind of build your set. So they had done all of that. They had tested all that out and they had and they because, like, when you see a gun in a scene, you expect the gun to be used. So when you see a bathroom and you know shit's about to go down, mm-hmm. especially because you saw it in the trailer, because you feel that something's about to go down, like, you've got to deliver. And I feel like that's – the stunts for these movies always do that story-wise. So even though I'm always like, ugh, if he throws another right – like, if it's another right block belly hit – flat hit like i'm gonna kill myself i I didn't notice that i couldn't i couldn't have called i get over myself within milliseconds so i mean to me this movie just it freaking delivered and it was a good time and it's a christopher mccrory movie yes and christopher mccrory consistently does really good movies you know obviously you know he won an oscar for the usual suspects which one day i will have the heart to watch again yes yeah uh, and then uh, he did The Way of the Gun after that, which... Uh, I don't think I've seen that. Most people haven't, and it's not like a great movie, but it's pretty good. It's an amoral modern western. Oh, cool. Uh, with Benicio Del Toro, I believe. Oh, isn't he great? Yeah. Um, but then... Which uh, is coming back out. So. Well, we'll see that. The first one was so good, and this one... I, we'll see. I know. I did, you just mentioned. I, I'm a, like kind of a callback to last week. I'm expecting them to come get somebody from chopping wood or building a cabin to be like, didn't you remember you promised you'd get this taken care of? Me, 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 me. Anyway. Um, but like, you know, 
he also did Jack Reacher, the first one. I loved that And movie. the fact that he had the balls to cast Werner Herzog as the villain and, like, have him do nothing but sit there. And I guarantee you, Werner Herzog wasn't even reading a script. Like, they just pressed play on the camera. Just let him be Werner Herzog. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. Um, and then he did Rogue Nation, the last Mission Impossible as well, yes. which was really good. Real, real quick, let's talk about our history with the franchise. So okay. we both, and we'll try and do this fast because obviously we're on the sixth one now. But uh, we both were just talking about the first one. I'm going to out myself right now, and I'm going to say something really unpopular, is that I actually love Mission Impossible 2. I don't remember it very well. So it is over the top. It is as 2000s as it can get. I had a copy of the soundtrack and I wore that out. And yes, I used to know the lyrics to the Limp Bizkit song. Did you really? Oh, yeah. That's awesome. I'm, my mom and sister used to make fun of me for That's it. That's awesome. We uh, promise to Insta story that. Uh, well, well, we'll see. We promise. But, um,. <laughs> but no, I love Mission Impossible 2. That's the one where it has uh, it had that insane motorcycle chase at the end of the movie. Ooh, that. So I remember... It's a John Woo movie. Yes. And you know how I feel about John Woo. Yes. I took a mini... Okay, I remember the motorcycle chase because... Because I remember taking a mini nap in that movie. Mm-hmm. And then there was a motorcycle chase, and I was like, this, this movie is great. So all you remember <laughs> is the part of the movie that everybody agrees on is pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there are worse ways to remember that movie. Yes. So I love the second one. I haven't seen it in way too long, and I'm going to find where it is um, and watch it again. Uh, Mission Impossible 3. You were saying in the movie theater you did not remember this movie. No. So this is the one J.J. Abrams did. This was like six years after Mission Impossible 2. Well, that's another thing with these movies is there's six right. over a long, long yeah, time. Yeah, like, they don't flood you with them, you no, know? No, and it's n- unlike uh, James Bond. Like, obviously, we had a little bit of time between uh, Daniel Craig like in his series. But you really only go two, three years in between a James Bond mm-hmm. as opposed to Mission Impossible. Like, Rogue Nation was, what, three so Mission More Impossible 3 was 2006. Uh-huh. Mission Impossible 4 was 2011 or 2012. Okay. And then Mission Impossible 5 was 2015. So yeah, between four and six years per movie. Yeah, and so that's a lot of time to lose to lose time yeah. with these. So Mission Impossible 3, that's the one where they introduced his wife. Uh, I love Michelle Monaghan. I, I do too. I, I do too. She is so good in everything she does. Yes. Uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Just watch it if you haven't seen that movie. Yeah, she's great. Um, the Path. She's great in The Path. Yeah, she's great in The Path. She's great on True Detective Season 1. Oh my gosh, she's so good. Yeah. I mean, that that's just... Like, I wish we could just be like, that's a movie. Mm-hmm. It's just a really long movie. And maybe maybe one day we'll do a special True Detective Season 1 episode. Uh, maybe. That's, uh, that's a lot of gumption. It's a lot of gumption. Um, but anyway, so Mission Impossible 3, J.J. Abrams did it. Uh, Michael Giacchino did the music, uh, which this is the first episode where we're not doing a Michael Giacchino score. Uh, <laughs> um, and then it introduced uh, Simon Pegg's character, Benji. Yes, yeah. that's right. And it had Philip Seymour Hoffman as the villain. Yes, and, and he was a scary villain. Oh, my God. Rest his soul, but mm-hmm. that man could bring something to life. Well, you know, I always kind of get cynical whenever somebody wins an Oscar and then the next movie they do is like a really big movie. 
because uh, I always think of it. There was an episode of The Simpsons. Do you, I know you weren't a Simpsons fan. No, but uh, the one, boys in my life were all fans, and so anything they were a fan of, I was not a fan of. Well, there's a character in there, Troy McClure. It was one of Phil Hartman's characters, and he's the he's the actor in town. He's like, "Hi, I'm Troy McClure. You may remember me from." He always says these weird names, you know. Right. I can't do a Phil Hartman voice, um, but. Uh, he started getting popular again and like you know he did like the planet of the apes musical which that whole sequence was great but uh then they started offering him like the mcbain movies and stuff like that which is their like arnold schwarzenegger movie series stuff okay uh and then so like i always anytime somebody like wins an oscar and then immediately goes and do, does like a huge budget action movie that you know is the paycheck is great on it, i always get a little cynical about it because i think of that troy mcclure episode of the simpsons right. um but philip seymour hoffman so he had just won for capote which and, is great yeah well i didn't like the movie but he was great in it that's fair the movie was long and a little painful mm-hmm. but he he was great ha- having uh, I, cause I would have been in acting school then. And mm-hmm. so I definitely was like all about, I was all about that base. Right. Uh, but anyway, so, uh, so he was the villain in that and he was great and he was scary. He was intense. The one line that I rec- remember in there is whenever he has Tom Cruise, Ethan Hunt captured and he has his wife there and he said, uh, he said, I'm going to kill you in front of her. I'm going to let her watch you die, and I'm going to then I'm going to kill her. And then at the end, right before he dies, he has Ethan Hunt by his like hair or something like that. He's like, remember how I said I was going to kill you first? I lied. And he just starts dragging him by his head over to where she is before he gets killed. And he was so good in that. Yeah. So that was Mission Impossible 3. Four. Four was Ghost Protocol, which uh, was a yes. Brad Bird movie. Yes, and that was great. That was great. Again, you can't. I believe with the that's score. after we. That's the first mission one we saw as a date night. It was, yeah, because you were in Miami when Mission Impossible Three came out. I remember seeing that with my dad. Yeah, I and uh, Jess, at University of Miami, Jess wouldn't didn't see a whole lot of movies unless it was like a chick flick, and then DePaul Jess was busy. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah. So so that was Mission Impossible Four. We both loved that one. Yeah, and that had uh, Lea Sedo in it, which yeah. which is great because she's the only person I can think of who's been uh, in both major spy series because she was the last Bond girl in Spectre. <gasps> That's right. Uh, but I remember seeing her in that, and you know, of course, she's beautiful. She's a great actress and everything. But I remember seeing that, just thinking. This is a girl who really should be playing a ukulele in a coffee shop and not <laughs> not an international assassin. But, you know, she was good in it, though. Uh, so Mission Impossible 5, we were talking about this, and I'm embarrassed to admit this. I remember so little and about that movie. And I remember a lot about Rogue Nation because it kind of harkens back to what you said in this, the first one. is, And it's kind of, it has similarities to this one as well, but, like, I feel like in these in Rogue Nation and Fallout, we've got Ethan Hunt being framed, mm-hmm. and he goes to prison. Right, um, and that whole prison get out sequence is super great. And um, it, they, I mean, and then with Lane, you know, that's kind of well. And that was the thing, like, like. I usually keep my phone, I put my phone away in movies and everything. In the first part of this movie, I did have to Wikipedia Mission Impossible 5. Uh, 
just because this is a direct sequel to Mission it Impossible. It is a direct 5. sequel. It's not. It's not part of the series like like a James Bond movie is. This is a direct sequel, right? Which is weird for Mission Impossible, but they very much in um in Rogue Nate uh, Rogue Nation, mm-hmm. man, my words today. In Rogue Nation, they. They set it up because there's the syndicate, right? And they're doing all these crimes against humanity all over the world because they're anarchists. And so they're trying to Facebook mm-hmm. everything and end it all and make sure there's no more government. So Ethan has to go stop Lane and he doesn't kill him right. for whatever reason and lets him go be tried for these war crimes from the syndicate. So this is a, and I kind of wish I had no, like maybe had expected because we probably would have watched rogue nation again yeah because one it's really good but two to just really be on our a game with fallout Mm -hmm. because it does it does pick up where it left off i didn't recognize the girl and that's whenever i had to pull out my phone because i was like like kind of like you said with jurassic park am i supposed or jurassic world am i supposed to know who this is you know right and I remembered her because that epic fight yeah. um, with them in the shadows. And so I remember her very well. And she does that move. Like the, there's like, she's does a couple of takedowns where basically she climbs up on you like a spider monkey mm-hmm. and like takes your leg. And I don't know a, a good name for them um, other than like the black widow takedown. It's the best way for a man to die. No, no, womp, 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 womp. Yeah. Anyway. So, um, I remembered her for that, but I also forgot she was in my six. Right. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is that I remembered so little about five, but I really liked five. You know what I think it was too, is that we saw that we used to live by this cheap movie theater in North Hollywood, which I love. Uh, it was like $3 tickets. They were all movies that were just about to come out on, you know, for home media or some of them were already there. Yeah. Uh, but we would wait and see a lot of movies there because I mean, it cost us 14 bucks a ticket to go see movies when we were living in Los Angeles, uh, full time. So we would oftentimes wait till it got to the cheap theater and there was a common thing in our household. Oh, we'll just cheap theater that, you know? Yeah. Um, so but some of the movies that we saw there, it was like a lot of people would just take their kids there. And like, I remember we went and saw Gone Girl there. And I oh, had that was yeah. I, I had to get up and yell at these people's kids to stop interrupting the movie in Gone Girl yeah. where they shouldn't have been. It was right around the time she shoved the wine bottle inside her, which bothered me as a fully grown adult. Um, The like rape scene with Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah. Oh. I can't, uh, I will never unsee that. Right. Ever. So, yes. So, this, the cheap theater in the North Hollywood area, you're the best, but you're also the worst. The worst. (laughs) Money, please. Um, but I think one of the reasons I didn't remember that as well is because we saw it there and it was probably pretty distracting, you know? It's possible. Um, But I liked it. Yes. I liked it a lot. And so, and I would say for Fallout, you know, um, man, I, gosh, I feel like, I mean, we could have a stunt uh, guest, which again, thank you again to Tony McFar um, for coming and speaking with, speaking with us about Jurassic World. Um, but I feel like we could talk to a stunt person for every action movie mm-hmm. very easily because the the design of so much of this, and Wade Eastwood was a stunt coordinator for this, and if you don't recognize the name Eastwood, 
then you should listen to way more movie podcasts to know what movies you need to be watching. <laughs> um, but, uh, I mean, the stunts were just insane. Um, they were it's just, it was great storytelling. And like, even as they're, they're dr- flying these helicopters mm-hmm. and like, like we always say, Mad Max Fury Road was a two and a half hour car chase. And I wish it was longer. Right. And so in a way with these two, the storytelling is so clear um, in this. And this is a huge hats off, not only to the the stunt coordinator slash second unit director, but also the director for getting getting in an editing room with probably a, the bomb.com editor and just yeah. really telling a solid story that even though these movies are always way too long this was like a two and a half hour long action they're just so long but on the flip side they really these movies solve problems and they go through that problem solving a great deal and they take you on that journey and there's always at least two to three problems that have to be solved in each movie they do a great job of telling like you know at the end of the movie there's a 15 minute countdown that 15 minutes takes about half an hour yeah. uh but they do a great job of it of it being like it's not like rashomon style where it's where like you go back and you have to hyperlink from one story to the other to see what's happening like you know everybody's story is being told clearly that you know what's happening at the same time. And that's a really hard thing to do. But again, Macquarie is so great with doing things like that. Yeah. And what I, what I really liked in this movie that I kind of had forgotten about, um, cause it's been a while since mission impossible one and three were, you know, in our forefronts of our thoughts is the whole, the love of his wife and like mm-hmm. he let her go. So well, and this is the, whenever you first find out what happened, because yeah. in Mission Impossible 4, everybody thinks that she's dead. And then at the end of the movie, because, you know, Jeremy Renner was the one who was supposed to be guarding them. And then, like, you know, yeah. they were attacked. And he admi- <laughs> yeah. he admits that to Ethan. And then Ethan lets him know that they faked her death because it was getting too dangerous for her. And then, like, he sees her like they just kind of share a look together at the end of the movie. I thought that, and we're getting into spoiler territory again here. Spoiler alert! But uh, I thought that, like, somehow they were still together, but, like, you find out, you get you get knocked back, you feel how knocked back he gets. Yes. Because you find out that she is remarried. Yes. So, on that note, let's take a little bit of a break. Yeah. A little water, little water break. Yeah, uh, collect, recollect yourself after that bombshell. Yes, we've got more of a bombshell, and... Stay tuned and take a deep breath. We'll be right back. All right, guys, we're back. Uh, So where do we leave off? So we were talking about the bombshell of his wife. So I don't think I realized, I, I kind of thought she just went away too, mm-hmm. but Ving Rhames like has a little heart to heart being like, listen, girlfriend, to this other girl. Being like, listen, listen. He's real sensitive, okay? So here's why. And what he tell her? I mean, he told her that, like, I, I thought this was a little bit of a weird explanation because in the fourth one, they talk about how, like, they had to fake her death. And then he's like, no, they're actually divorced. I'm like, wow, you guys took the time not only to fake her death, but to go through an entire divorce proceeding as well. Oh, I didn't know? catch that. Then why did it? If, anywho. And maybe, I'm, maybe I'm thinking of it in a different way. Uh, maybe they didn't actually use the word divorced, but that's kind of the way that it came off to me. 
To me, it came off as he let her go. Mm-hmm. Like they saw each other. I don't remember hearing divorced. Maybe I'm maybe I'm projecting or something like that. Maybe I just heard that he let her go. If you love something enough, you let it go, right? Right. So, and I kind of loved too, even though this is very much a, a traditional, you know male female roles but because ethan hunt is ethan hunt and in every movie like ving rames and simon pegg are like just trust him just mm-hmm. trust him he sh- like i don't we don't know how he does it but it's and like at the end of the movie where they go how close were we and they're like the usual yeah. <laughs> like right so we know to expect like edge of your seat like gripping the edge of your chair time like timing um but it was kind of neat to find out why Ethan always puts his team first before the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and also why he's so freaking sentimental. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is that in all of these movies, and you guys are probably about to hear some dogs fight because they're playing with each other right now. Da, 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 <laughs> da, 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 da. Oh. oh, there they are. <laughs> um, but in all these movies, they always like, they always paint Ethan Hunt as being like, he's just a swell guy, you know? But he kind of is. No, no, he totally, he totally is. What I'm saying is that that's how they've set him up to be. And now I wonder how much of that is Tom Cruise's star power because, obvi- I mean, he, there we go. Uh, he's producing these movies, obviously. Like, he is a full-on producer. He's a full-on producer. Uh, like, and it's not a ceremonial role. So, like, he has a lot of say in how these movies are done. I know with The Mummy, uh, he basically told the director that he had to have equal screen time as the actual mummy. That doesn't shock me. Yeah. He is a crazy person. He does worship lizards. Uh, it's, let's not go down that rabbit hole. But uh, We're not going to go down that rabbit hole. But we always... One thing about Tom Cruise... One thing about Tom Cruise that we have said multiple times and while we are drinking more water in this episode is he has earned, he's earned the right for no one to look him in the eyeballs. He's earned the right to be like, I will be betrayed this way, Mm -hmm. period, end of story. No, and like, it's not like, you know, I mentioned, I mentioned earlier that, you know, one day I'll have the heart to watch usual, usual suspects again, because Kevin Spacey is a garbage person. Um, and it's not like I go see these movies in spite of Tom Cruise. Like, I think that for all the craziness that is Tom Cruise and all of the, you know, like, you know, he's somebody who you also hear, like, I've heard more good stories about Tom Cruise than I have diva stories about Tom Cruise. That's fair. Uh, like him going into, like, diners whenever they're filming in Kentucky somewhere and dropping 10 grand in a little cancer kid fund. Uh, right. So, like, I go see these movies because I know that he's going to put out a good movie. Absolutely. Yeah. And even like, I remember seeing Jack Reacher and I, I watched it on like stars with my dad. Jack Reacher should have been a much worse movie than it oh, was. I was fully, my dad was like, let's watch this movie. And I was like, Bleh. okay. And I, I really had a good time. I know it was so good. And I was like, and I was mad about it because at the end I was like, damn it. Damn it. I'm not supposed to like this movie, but I really like this movie. <laughs> anyway, but back out of the rabbit hole um, that we just that we just went down. We so, had to visit it because they're all thinking it. Yeah. 
They're all thinking it. Yes. And no, none of us know Tom Cruise. Uh, Tom Cruise, if you would like to be my friend, I would love to be your friend too. <laughs> uh, other, otherwise, you keep on doing your thing because I'm still going to go see your movies. I'm still going to see your movies. Yeah. Um, and I guess, I guess that's what's so great about the about a Mission Impossible movie as opposed to a James Bond. We've all seen a bad James Bond. Right. We've all. We've all got our favorite Bond. We've all got our favorite storyline. Like, I remember Spectre. I remember being like, I really liked it. But I remember there was a big backlash on Spectre mm -hmm. uh, of people really not liking it. I liked um, it a lot better the second time we saw it, like, at home. Okay. I love, I mean, I'm, Daniel Craig can do no wrong in my eyes. Mm -hmm. Nothing in the series. And I'm happy to be a guest on James Bonding because nothing James Daniel Craig does mm -hmm. is wrong to me. Right. Not a thing. But... I guess in a way, even though like I obviously I don't spend as much time with the Mission Impossible movies, but I can't ever think of leaving a Mission Impossible movie without some sort of like, wow, that was really awesome. Right. And like, you know, and like we kind of touched on earlier, even with Mission Impossible 2, the one that like Mission Impossible 2 has kind of gone down in history as the bad Mission Impossible movie. Which, again, I think is unfair, but I'm not going to spend any more time talking about that. Right. But everybody can admit that the motorcycle chase is awesome. It's awesome. It's kind of like Star Wars Episode One. Everybody's like, yeah, you know, trade politics, blah, blah, blah. But damn, that pod race scene was awesome. It was really fun. <laughs> and, you know, these, these scripts, like e even in uh, in Fallout, the, the plot holes and like how they make their plans work, do not think about it too hard. No. Your brain will explode. Your brain will explode if you try to rationalize everything. It's like trying to rationalize Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me. Right. Don't rationalize it. that movie makes no sense. It makes no sense. So if you rationalize it, it makes it significantly less fun. And maybe if, and, and we were like, we're not going to talk a whole lot about this movie. And here we are, you know, talking a lot about this movie. And here we are just sitting here going, gosh, like... These are great and they're fun and you turn off because even at one point, by the way, we were, it's, uh, it's a Monday that we're recording this and we were the only people in the, in the movie theater. So we're like kind of pretending it's our big house right? Um, as we're sitting there watching it. And I was just like, I went to go refill the drink and I came back and she was doing her stretches. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was doing squats. Thank you. Um, it, at one point I went, how, wait, his motorcycle didn't start but how did that work out when that looked like it wasn't but he, of course he has a plan but that didn't look like part of the plan but then the plans and then i just like had to tell myself like take a chill pill it's ethan hunt mm -hmm. it's going to work out and it won't make sense just enjoy the ride and i think anybody who criticizes these movies i think is maybe looking for the answer too hard yeah. these movies aren't here to give you the answer on how they got from A to B to C. Right. They're going to get from A to C and you're going, it's going to allow you to fill in the blanks of how they got to B. Mm -hmm. um, that could probably be its own like series of like, what, how did they get from A to C in a mission impossible movie Right. and figuring out the steps of B to rationalize it, which would probably be a lot of fun to do, except mama got no, ain't got no time for that. So it sounds really fun. So that would be my only thing about, especially this one, there was mo moments where like in the action, you'd be like, oh, whoa, huh, oh, that's not working. Oh, no, that's not work. Wait, that worked out. Hmm. Okay. Well, 
Here we go. <laughs> so I'm going to bring up something that that I think wasn't handled as well as it could have. And some of this, I think, is really more of a failure on the advertising than on the movie itself. Okay. Is that, again, we're deep in spoiler territory here, is that I kind of knew Henry Cavill was going to be the bad guy. Oh, but here's yes. the here's the reason why. So first of all, that was a fantastic mustache. It was nice seeing the reason oh why we know that DC doesn't have good special effects guys. Because you know he had to go back and do reshoots for Superman, but he wasn't allowed to shave his mustache, so they CGI'd over him, and he looked like the human Shrek from yes. Shrek Two. Uh, so it was nice to see the reasoning behind that. That mustache was glorious, and it was worth him keeping. It, it. was like seventies porn stash, riffic. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. He kind of looked like, oh, I'm a man's man from the 50s, you know? He did, yeah. which immediately made him look like a bad guy. Right. But Angela Bassett was kind of a bad guy. Right. But here's here's the thing. So, like, in the trailers, it always looked like he was an antagonist. Yes. You know? Even in the scene, so, like, whenever they got to that big bathroom fight scene in the trailer, it looked like he was about to go kick Tom Cruise's ass. And that's not what happened. That's not what happened. But the, I think, I don't know if the trailers did that on purpose or if they just picked bad shots for it. No, I think they did that on purpose because you're really uneasy and unsure because the whole time that character is kind of trying to thwart mm-hmm. Ethan. And you know that Angela Bassett isn't on board with Ethan either because he screwed up mm-hmm. with the plutonium right reals bad um and so he's kind of being watched and you know that it's not good business and i don't think you know that his character is bad bad mm-hmm. but i don't think you're ever supposed to think that he's good i'm assuming if you went into this movie blank you would think of him as more of an anti-hero than a villain yes more of an anti-hero i think is a really good way to put it and i kind of saw i called this spin. Mm-hmm. I called, I called it, but, um, also what was the guy's name? John land, John, John, uh, it sounded like John Locke and John uh, Lark, John Lark. Did we never answered that question? Cause they were like, Ooh, that's probably some sort of Patsy going out and that's not the real John Lark, but who was the, who was John Lark? That Did, was Henry Cavill. He was officially John Lark. Yeah. Oh, I didn't get that. No, they they said it. Did they? Yeah. Did they? Yeah. No. Well, they, or maybe they more implied it. You know, when he was talking, he showed the picture of uh, Ethan Hunt's wife, and uh, he was and, the guardian angel. Yeah, and then they they kept talking about how, um, like, whenever they got there at the camp, and they were like, "Oh yeah, we have a guardian angel here," and that's where you know, like, oh, that's why they're. Oh, but see, I didn't take that as he was John Lark. Well, but John Lark is the one who he's the only one more powerful than Solomon Lane or as powerful as Solomon Lane. So like it, so essentially John Lark was Solomon Lane through Henry Cavill. No, because there was a distinct Solomon Lane and John Lark. No, I know that. I'm saying John Lark was like the pseudonym for the plan. Maybe I think we may I, I, I think we may be trying to dig a little deep in this well here. You no, know? I don't know. I just don't I didn't think they outwardly were like let us know in your comments, you guys. Like, let us know. Insta story, because we love an Insta story. Mm-hmm. Please Insta story what you think the how the John Lark thing was handled. Right. Uh, but I think another reason, and this was just something that I happened to catch, again, in advertising, is whenever they were talking about uh, Superman going to have a mustache when they went back into the Justice League reshoots. Right. 
I think somebody had said in there, you know, he can't shave the mustache because he's playing the villain in Mission Impossible 6. So I may have gotten it from there as well. Maybe I was ready for it. Maybe. Maybe. I just, I also kind of liked that in the trailer, um, and as you probably all know, I don't see a whole lot of trailers. And the more you listen to this podcast, you'll really realize I really don't see trailers. But this one was really hard to miss. Mm -hmm. It was the advertising for this was insane for right. someone who does not watch trailers. I have seen this trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of dug it that you thought that he was fighting, um, Tom Cruise. Uh-huh. The reason being is when they went in as a team, it was a surprise to me. And that was fun. That's true. And I suppose if you were waiting on the shoe to drop during all those scenes, like, like, especially in that bathroom scene, you know, and they're both going after the same guy, I was expecting it to be like, Oh, it is, like almost like uh, you remember that movie, The Manchurian Candidate. Yeah. So you know how they like, and I, I haven't seen the original one in a long time. I'm talking about the Denzel Washington one. How like there's a certain phrase that they say, and that kind of turns him into the sleeper agent. Oh, yeah. I kept kind of expecting that to happen. It's just like, oh, now he has to go fight no, Superman. I always knew that something was, you know, something was rotten in the state of Denmark. Mm-hmm. But I was waiting for it to turn, and then when he's going to Angela Bassett, being like. This guy is a bad dude, and this is why he's a bad dude. It was a little too tattletale. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I see. Mm-hmm. I see. Oh, we're playing that game now. Oh, I see. Jerk. So, but, you know, I, I think overall, this movie, it wasn't it wasn't full of surprises, but it surprised me. And I, I just, it was kind of fun to turn our brains off, watch an action movie. Yeah. I, there was a, a couple of times I felt us both just get completely like tense and just watching. And I and never just, thought that I'd see a helicopter scene better than what we saw in Spectre. I know. And this one, man. Dude, the skydiving, mm-hmm. when he's dead manning down and he's ha- and then he saves him. Uh-huh. And you also know he's going to be a douche canoe when he's like, when Henry Cavill's like, you lost your oxygen. Mm-hmm. I was like, you dick. <laughs> so um, you always knew that he was going to be a bad, like he was going to be a, like a tall drink of water and, and like difficult to handle. Um, so I will, I will say, um, there's some really like gripping sequences, um, the car sequence with the motorcycles and mm-hmm. the whole, the whole getting Solomon Lane, yeah, out like the, uh, uh, it's gonna win so many tourist awards. So one thing I'll say, and it's just kind of the modern state of movies right now, like right. especially blockbuster ones, which I like blockbuster movies as much as I like little indie movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like I always say, I reserve the right to watch Hot Tub Time Machine and A Geary Wrath of God in the same day if I want to. If I, if I so please. Mm-hmm. But, um, and I realize that neither of those are blockbusters, but you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Nerd. Nerd. And anyway, um, <laughs> one thing that bothers me is that every, it seems that every movie has to have a twist in it. And like, mm. like this one had a couple of, had a couple of twists. If this one just had the twist of, uh, I can't, I can't remember her name, but the MI6 girl. I know. I can't uh, remember it either. The fact that she was kind of an anti-hero for the first three quarters of the movie. Here's what I will say about that. I agree with you because uh-huh. everything needs a twist now. Yeah. But These it's kind of did- like clone, clone McClone face in Jurassic World, you know? Oh, can't. I can't even. I think I would have liked that movie more if they didn't try and put that twist in there. Clone you make clone face. That's just a stupid, stupid, 
stupid twist. <laughs> Here's what I will say, though. In this movie, because I was like, hmm, this is what's going to happen. He, Tom Cruise is in John Lark. Dude is. Henry Cavill. Mm. Mustache is. It's his mustache. Yeah. It was his mustache alone <laughs> acting as John Lark. Anyway. <laughs> Mitch Conner. <laughs> <laughs> so this movie didn't feel like twists. It just felt like turns. No, I will. I suppose you're right. I will say my favorite twist in the movie, though. Turn. It was a turn. Only turn. Well, no, no. This was this one was a twist. Oh, okay. So obviously it's after the turn of uh, of August Walker being revealed as John Lark, and he's sitting there talking to Solomon Lane, and then how he calls back to what Angela Bassett said, how uh, how IMF is just Halloween, just a bunch of men in rubber masks. It was great. Okay, and, that and was it, great. Yeah. All right. So so even that th- was great. Even though I thought that this movie didn't need the like the villain twist. I will say, I think it was worth it for that moment alone. Yeah, and Simon Pegg <laughs> takes it off, and it's like, dun, 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 dun. It's so good. And Alec Baldwin's there like, Lemon, I have a gun. Lemon. <laughs> guard, seize him! Lemon, do you think I'm a villain? Well, I have heard you say, guard, seize him. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think we're sufficiently pleased with this film. Now, I really liked this movie. So, we don't buy every movie. I can see, like, we have Rogue Nation. We just haven't watched it in forever. Yeah, that's maybe, because we usually do, we do, like, all three Lord of the Rings. We do, I mean, I live off of Harry Potter. We... We'll do Lord of the Rings. We'll do Harry Potter. You mostly. Uh, we'll always do some Star Wars every do, Christmas. And we do a lot of James Bond. So mm-hmm. maybe we need to just sprinkle back some Mission Impossible. You know what? I mean, you know, I don't think I've had a copy of the first two movies since I was in the high school. So I think we can probably find them cheap now. But I, I, they're good movies. Yeah. So we might need to add this back in into like these are the movies that every year we sit down and we watch them. Or if nothing else, they're great ones to have on like while we're cooking or something. Yeah. You know? Or they're really good. Um, this will go into, if you guys ever come to uh, a Bennett party, there's usually some sort of movie on and it's on really low, mm-hmm. but you'll just catch glimpses of it. We'll tend to put something that everyone has seen on yeah. and it's in the way background. Um, final thoughts, sir. I mean, final thoughts are, I really liked this movie. I want to see more Mission Impossible movies. I would like to see Christopher McQuarrie do a non-Mission Impossible movie just because I think he's such a smart writer and he's such a skilled director that, like, please keep on doing Mission Impossible movies, but I'm ready to see you do something else again. You yeah. Know? Uh, you know, Tom Cruise already has my money. Oh, my God, just take it. I mean, really, can you think of any other actor who's as consistently enjoyable, like his movies are as consistently enjoyable. Like Tom Cruise has done a lot of not great movies. But I can't really think of a movie that I think that's more mainstream because mm-hmm. I haven't seen a lot of un-mainstream. Right. Not mainstream. Mm-hmm. Like Eyes Wide Shut, I don't spend a lot of time on. Right. What was the like robot one he did? Uh, like the AI movie. Oh, Minority Report. That's okay. You need to rewatch Minority Report. Oh, okay. It's fine. War of the Worlds is a pretty okay movie. But like that the sequence when he's like, look at me, look at me, look mm-hmm. at me. I, I always, I dig him. I'm, I, I, yeah. No, but that's what I'm saying though, is that I think everybody could use up 
all of their fingers and maybe a couple of toes and finding like, oh, these are Tom Cruise movies that but I like, really like. But like he's done that many movies, you guys. Right. I can even think of something I've not really loved Morgan Freeman in. So like, mm-hmm. which by the way, having met Morgan Freeman, uh-huh. he's awesome. Yeah. He's really, really, really nice. Yeah. Um, well, he also does love the ladies. So. Well. <sighs> uh, honestly, I can't speak on that one because I've only heard like, you know, news blurbs, but either way, but like, Going back to the positive aspect of that, like, who else can you say, like, has done as many consistently entertaining movies? Like, even The Rock, who you always like seeing him in things. He's still not even lived up to the numbers yeah. of Tom Cruise. Right. But, like, but in terms of, like, ratios. Oh, for sure. You know, like, maybe Tom Hanks is one. I mean, Tom Hanks, again, mm-hmm. 2020. Yeah. Uh, voting. Um, no, no, we're not doing that. No, no more celebrities. No more celebrities, but, um, or no more quote unquote celebrities. But here's what I'll say. Action stars, mm-hmm. because action stars, like you even think of the fast franchise and like the rock and Vin Diesel can't work together because mm-hmm. of ego. Probably more. We can all be honest on where that pendulum probably mm-hmm. leans There's towards. There's a great, how did this get made quote on that? Oh, is there? I'm I'm hesitant to say it. Okay, so we'll just we'll just say <laughs> just watch the triple X or listen to the triple X return of Xander Cage episode of How Did This Get Made? And uh, we're big fans, by the way. So mm-hmm. we hope to meet you guys and hope to because you're listening. Because you're listening. I hope you are. Um, so, but but if you look at the sheer numbers of the movies that he's done and the people, I mean, gosh, um, I did like this. Um, Instagram thing. They're like, what's your favorite non-Mission Impossible movie that um, Tom Cruise has done? Mm-hmm. And like, what would you go tell everybody to go watch? And I was like, Jerry Maguire. Mm-hmm. Because it's just great. Yeah. Magnolia. Magnolia. And he's great in Magnolia. He's great. I mean, heck, um, Top Gun. Yeah. As Is it not that great of a movie? No, but I mean, you watch him in it, you know? It's great. He's doing a sequel now. No. Yep, there's going to be a Top Gun, too. <sighs> All right. You guys are going to have to vote if we even go see that, because I'm going to need some convincing. Yeah. Like, he- also, I- there's no Goose, so, like, why? Uh, apparently, they've cast Goose's son now, because that's just what you do. I'm eating the microphone. I can't. Uh, she's giving me a lot of stuff to edit out later. I'm sorry. No, you keep doing it. It's what um, you do. I'm sorry. I just... Um, But, like, yeah, and, th- and think of it, too, is that Tom Cruise, and, of course, we're in a kind of different age now where like you know back when we were kids our our grandparents in their 60s looked like grandparents you know you know so like we're in a different age where people don't age the same way anymore but tom cruise has well has well gone past what should be a shelf life for an action star yeah and for him to do as much as he does you know well and i think it's but but like tom cruise you know like he's still doing he's still keeping up with what modern action films are you know liam neeson definitely reinvented himself as an action star and i think that he actually did that pretty well but like you know let's say even if mel gibson didn't derail his career the way that he did i don't know if he'd still be doing lethal weapon movies no you know tom cruise is in a league of his own and these movies these movies wouldn't be that without him and ethan hunt is um a special vulnerable fallible hero um and he meets the he meets the hero's journey really well he comes back 
he's he's always changed and he's always really changed on his creation story mm-hmm. you know unlike james bond in a way yeah like skyfall was kind of supposed to be kind of like the hearkening back to void james bond is james bond but mm-hmm. but we we have been with ethan as he's become who he is um and he has changed and his decisions that he makes are affected by what we experience with him right. and he reacts like a decent human being that that's true we can a thousand percent chart his progress yes and we we were there for it so it's yeah it makes these it makes these easy these easy to watch but they're enjoy they're just it's enjoyable they're they're the most consistently entertaining film franchise like you know i'm not i'm not nearly as big of a harry potter fan as you are you know, it's okay. I still love you. Oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> Can you cut the sexual tension with a knife right now? <laughs> Why are you looking at me like that? I'm winking. <laughs> but um, like, even if you're a massive Harry Potter fan, you have to you have to agree that not every movie is great. Oh no, yeah. Like you have to get through the first Harry Potter movie. Oh my God, if if we could have just. If everything was Fantastic Beasts, you guys. Mm-hmm. Which, that's one we'll definitely be seeing. Yeah. Uh, but, like, you know, the Star Wars movies, you know, obvious, obviously everybody loved the last Star Wars movie. Um, everybody loves the prequels. Loves. Uh, but, like, you know, those are still movies that people go see. Lord of the Rings, I would say, if you didn't have to count the Hobbit movies in there, Lord of the Rings would be batting a thousand. But you yeah. have to you have to count the Hobbit movies in there, and that just kind of tarnishes the God, reputation. They stole our money. Like we didn't want to give it to them. Yeah. We gave it to them. You're gonna hear us bitch about the Hobbit movies a lot because that was like a watershed moment for us. And Ugh. do we really want to go see every movie that comes out? Ugh. Ugh. Um. Anyway, but so, like going going back to it, the Mission Impossible movies are some of the most consistently swing and a hit movies yeah. that are going to be out yeah, there. Yeah, agreed. Um, so yeah, I mean, for a movie that we thought we wouldn't talk about, we just had like a love fest. Yeah, no, I really liked it. I I think we're both on the, uh, like four and a half to five out of six scale on it. Punches. So there's going to be a, there might be a little bit of a gap between episodes. Uh, we are also, um, Jordan's going to Los Angeles for work, um, so these will be going live. So by the time you get to episode three, um, please make sure you are subscribing, liking, leave us, um, as Jonathan Van Ness on Getting Curious would say, leave us a cute review. We would love that. Yeah, I mean, leave us feedback. If you guys are, if you guys are like, you know, I really wish you wouldn't go through all that sexual tension. It is, it is impalpable. It, guys, you need to cool it. Yeah. Just let us know. Um, let, if you let us know, we'll set up a Patreon. We'll get you what you guys want. Right. Um, we have also done uh, cocktail recipes. We've done it for a little web series called Coco and Ruby. We we need to find. I was actually thinking of that today. We the need, Ginger Muldoon. We need to find a Ginger Muldoon movie. Okay. So, um, but if there's like, hey, we we want more um, cocktail hours. Um, we we'll definitely have more guests coming up. Please let us know what you think about, um, our little adventure with Tony and at the fit kitchen ATL. Um, we definitely have more of that in store for you. We mm-hmm. also might have a couple of, um, changes in our lineup coming up because we definitely want to keep 
you guys interested? So me and Jordan are going to be apart for a little while, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean we go, we stop going to the movies. Also, we still like go see movies separately and then call each other and like totally nerd out about it. Yeah. So we might just be doing Skype episodes sometimes, but also like, you know, like there, there may be some platonic date nights coming up. Yeah, soon, you know? and so please stay tuned. Um, please follow us on Instagram at date night underscore at the movies. Um, right now we're mainly on Insta. Um, but drop us a cute story. Tag us. We'd love it. Let us know what you've been seeing lately. And it doesn't even have to be new releases. Like, I'm on this with Jess all the time, is that I would love to just go into our library of movies and do episodes on there. I don't think we're going to do that anytime soon. Yeah. But, like, you know, we we talk about movies on our Instagram. Uh, we, d- we were talking about Shawshank the other night, which we unfortunately only got halfway through. I know. Because if you, the DVD you should, died. You should look at um, our tragic uh, Shawshank story on our Instagram. Um but when this episode airs, um, we actually have an entire discussion about movies at dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll be sharing that. You, you get to see them actually bring our food and us like talk to the waiters every so often. And you'll see how clumsy I truly am when the cameras aren't rolling. And how different our diets are. Jessica had a beet burger and I was like, I'll have spaghetti and meatballs. <laughs> so again, you guys, thank you so much for listening to Date Night at the Movies. Or Absolutely. How I spent my babysitter money. But I don't think I told you, by the way. So one of our really good friends in L.A., Brian Forrest, uh, who we want to get on one of these episodes here pretty soon. Uh, But I was telling him about the podcast because the last time I was out there, uh, I think we just recorded The Incredibles. Okay. Uh, And he was like, episode one, hashtag episode one. She stuck up two fingers when she said that, by the way. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) But he was asking what it was called, and I was like, date night at the movies or how I spent my babysitter money. And he was the first person who got why it's called that. He started laughing. He's like, because you don't have kids, you don't spend money on babysitters. You can actually go out and do stuff. And I'm just like, yes, you were the first person (laughs) to do that, to understand it. So if you've gotten all this way um, and have been pondering, that's one of the reasons uh, it was called or how I spent my babysitter money. So... um, yeah. yeah. I don't have anything else to really say. No. Uh, you, I... you can uh, not only follow us on Instagram, you can follow me at Jabin Music at uh, Twitter and Instagram as well. You can follow me at Jessica E. Bennett on Twitter and Insta. Um, and on those specifically, um, like on Jordan's, you'll be able to see more of his music, hear more of his music. Um, and for me, you'll get a little bit of kind of things I train and do and some of just my... I guess, creative thinkings, maybe? I don't yeah. know. We, we like ourselves, and we decide to give you pictures and talk um, about it. There's also, um, if there's things you want to get to know more about us, please let us know. And thank you so much for this episode for Mission Impossible Fallout. I did not talk about the music. The music was so good. Oh, the music was so good. Lauren Balf did such an amazing job, and I've always liked what he did. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. It was so good. The music. The music was the closest to. I was listening to that, and like, if Thomas Newman and David Arnold decide not to come back for the next James Bond movie, give it to Lauren Balf. Yeah, it was great. Maybe Jordan, why don't you do a little IGTV on the mu- on the music? I will because I it, it was worth more than just my quick. Oh, we're about okay, to shut so off. Okay, so once this episode airs, go to Instagram. We'll have it on IGTV. Jordan talking about the music for some extra bonus footage. All right. And with that, 
everybody, have a great day. Have a great night whenever you're listening to this. And we'll see you next time on Date Night at the Movies. Bye.